So today we start a new series and we're looking at a model church in a hostile world. And, and that is looking at this first epistle to the Thessalonians. Uh, today in particular, we're looking at chapter one. And so, you know, I was thinking as I was thinking of a model church in a hostile world, I was thinking of, you know, poor uh, imitations. Some of us have been around that. Uh, poor knockoffs is a, is a modern term that's used a lot, as you can see up behind me. And we just know it's not the right thing, it's not the same thing. You can spot them a mile away, especially a lot of brand names, you'll see cheap knockoffs. But that word imitation or imitating is not all bad and negative, like a poor knockoff. It can be positive, as we see in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul challenged the Corinthians. He said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. I guess a modern way of saying it would be role models, right? We see a lot of that, that live our lives in such a way that it is worthy that others would want to imitate the way we live our lives. Um, and so today we're looking in particular a church worthy of imitating. Our journey into 1 Thessalonians will reveal that it was a church worthy of imitating. Thessalonica uh, was the capital and the largest city of the Roman province at that time of Macedonia, modern Greece today. This city was on the main road, therefore a place of great trade and commerce. It was a place of convergence. And Paul went to this city like he did often, those main cities. On his second journey, after leaving Philippi because of great persecution, so he's basically fleeing to the city of Thessalonica. But Paul had to move on, and as he did, he was concerned about this new flock, this new church in Thessalonica that he had to leave behind. He didn't stay there very long. And he couldn't go back at that time. He wished to go back, but he couldn't go back. So he sent Timothy, his understudy, to go and check in on this church. You can read a lot of this in Acts 17. You know, he had concerns, Paul, the Apostle Paul. Had they left Jesus and gone back to their idols? Had they caved in under terrible pressure and persecution? Had they lost hope? And the wonderful backstory behind uh, this letter is Timothy brought back good news, wonderful news to the Apostle Paul. Yes, the Thessalonian Christians were suffering for their faith, but their faith, love, and hope was thriving. And so we see that in verses 2 and 3 of our chapter today that we heard, uh, that we read today in chapter 1. In verse 2 and 3, it says, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We see Paul's thanksgiving there for them. And he says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Remarkable. It was with this good news that Paul writes this letter of thanksgiving and instruction, which is to believe to be one of his earliest letters and epistles that he ever wrote. And although a very young church with young, inexperienced Christians, Paul, as we see today, commends them. They have become a model church. They're not a very old church, but they have become a model church. 
So that's why we're starting today looking at what we can learn from this church, this model church. First of all, one of the things we can learn to imitate that Paul commended them for uh, was their imitation of him and of the Lord Jesus. We already heard that earlier from Corinthian passage. He says in verse 6, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. So in other words, what you've seen us doing, you have followed our example and have been doing it as well. The truth is, if anyone is going to be a good example as Christians, they must be an imitator of Jesus Christ. They must desire to be more like Jesus. They will never be Jesus, but they must desire to be more like Jesus every day. And so that challenges us today, doesn't it, as the church of Jesus Christ. How about us today? Do we live our lives in such a way that others would want to imitate us? Do we live in such a way that I could say what the Apostle Paul says here, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Would others or should others follow my example? Would that be a good thing? You see, we are all role models. We all are role models. There are people watching all the time. The question is, am I a good role model? I was thinking that we often say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I don't know if you've ever said, but we've said it in our family. That child is a spitting image of their father. (laughs) I wonder today as we think of that phrase, we are the children of God. If we are in Christ, we are the children of God. And if we are the children of God, then we are to imitate and look like our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says this church is commendable also for their reception of the word. You see that in the second half of verse 6. For you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Paul, as we said, had to flee Philippi because of much persecution and I'm sure he was very discouraged but he arrived in Thessalonica and was pleasantly surprised when he entered uh, and their willing reception to the gospel but you know it didn't stop there that they just received the word uh, at the place of new faith but they continued in the word of God in their journey into discipleship and we know that is so important for all of us And this was even in the face of suffering and difficulty. They didn't use their affliction as an excuse to shrink back from the word of God. They didn't just receive the word, but we're also told in this passage, this verse, that they received it with much joy because of the Holy Spirit. That challenges me today to ask myself and to ask you, how do we receive the word of God? Have we shrunk back from the word? Would you be considered a good role model? Would others want to imitate you when it comes to listening and studying the word of God? Do they see you doing it with much joy? Would your handling of the word of God be commendable and an example to others? And then thirdly, we see that Paul commended the Thessalonians because they didn't just receive the word and keep it for themselves, but they were busy spreading the word. Verse 8, the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. 
Now realize they didn't just receive the word from these uh, great evangelists, but they realize now it was their responsibility to spread the word in their absence. Note how they proclaim the word. Paul uses a word that sounds like a trumpet blast or a thunderclap. It is actually, that's the word that he's using here when he says your, the message rang out. All around Greece and neighboring countries, everyone who heard about them were telling others without being asked. And it wasn't gossip. It was good news. And the gospel was spreading. You see, quite ordinary people had done something in this moment extraordinary. The only explanation was the living God had been at work in their lives through the gospel message about Jesus Christ. And nothing was going to hold it back. It began to spread. They had not only heard the word, they had not only believed the word, but they had embodied the word of God, the gospel of Christ. They were never ashamed to show whose they were and whom they sought to serve. Even in a hostile world, they made it plain for all to see. And I asked myself this question, how about us as the church of Jesus Christ? Do we have any evangelistic focus? Do we still believe the gospel is the only thing that can truly change and transform a life? Are we looking beyond our own selfish needs? Are we working towards spreading the gospel to others and into other areas, into new areas? Are we concerned that we are a role model when it comes to spreading the good news? Does it still excite us? We see that this church was commended for their service to God, verse 9. They tell, how you, uh, they tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, Paul writes. They had miraculously turned to God from all their idols. A, a true conversion, you've heard that word, a real transformation, a changed life. Uh, the people in Thessalonica turned away from their idols to now this new and living God. That is what conversion is all about. Verse 9, you see that word there, turned. To stop going in one direction and to turn and go in the opposite direction. That, that word actually comes, that's where we get the word repentance too. We, we, we use the vehicle of repentance to make that change. There is a real change that has happened in our hearts and lives. See, asking them to give up idols was unheard of in Paul's day. This was radical. It's like somebody asking you today to hand in your cell phone. <laughs> Every turn of the road, the gods were there. They even carried them with them when they traveled. They had little gods made and carved. Cities tumbled over themselves to build the newest uh, temple to the newest divinity. And into this world comes three simple unknown Jews telling pagans there was one true God. And this one true God had a son and his name is Jesus. And he demonstrated his sonship by raising him from the dead. Nobody had ever seen this before or heard this before. It was new. It was good news. And death and resurrection is the proof. Evil was defeated and the new creation 
was launched on that moment. That is why for us as the Church of Jesus Christ, Good Friday and Easter is such a celebration because it is good news, it is proof that Jesus is indeed the Son of God and it is proof that the new creation was birthed on that Easter morning when, praise God, out of that tomb he arose. What about us as the Church of Jesus Christ? Have we turned away from those things that draw us away from God or the things of God, modern-day idols? See, genuine faithful service to God requires a true conversion, a change, a turning, a transformation, a changed life. Has, has your life been changed because of Jesus Christ? That's what happens when you encounter Jesus as your Savior and Lord. There is a definite change. You're not the same person. Praise God. But what idols as the church of Jesus Christ do we need to turn from? See, these can even be good things. Things that, that we, are, you know, in themselves are good. They're not bad. But the problem is they have become too important to us. They have gotten in our way with our relationship with God. And often they have gotten in the way of the things of God. John tells us in 1 John, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes from the Father, but not from the Father, but from the world. And so we see they turned from their idols to serve God and then Paul commended them as a model church because of their anticipation in Jesus' return. You know, the church goes through different fads, doesn't it, different seasons. This is biblical. This is the model church biblically, that they had great anticipation of the Lord's return. Verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. The Thessalonians were looking and longing for Jesus' return. The word wait here is not just waiting, but waiting with anticipation. I love that statement. On the tippy toes of expectation, waiting for Christ to return. Philippians 3.20, Paul says, But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. See, all true Christians have this longing, this anticipation, this hope. I like what somebody said. Man can endure anything as long as he has hope, for when he is not walking towards the night, he is now walking towards the light and the dawn. See, it's a church worth imitating because it's always looking upward towards and waiting for Christ's return. In the face of a hostile world and difficulty, the characteristic of this young church was they served God and waited with anticipation. They served God and waited. That's, that's a good phrase for us. If that's all that you got today for my message, serve God and wait for his coming. So how about us? Are we excited? Are we excitingly waiting for Christ's return with great anticipation on the tippy toes of expectation? Does his return even enter our minds or our thoughts? 
When it does, what kind of feelings does it bring for us? Does it bring anticipation and hope and joy? Or does it bring dread and fear? So as we look at these wonderful uh, points today, how Paul has commended this church, we have to ask ourselves, as the church of Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about the building, and I'm not talking about the labels that are outside the buildings. I'm asking us, as the church of Jesus Christ, are we a role model church? Would others want to follow our example? See, their example, they gave themselves totally to Jesus. They sought to imitate Jesus. They received the word with joy, even in suffering. They are excited to share the word with others. They turned from their idols and worldliness and turned to God in full devotion, not half-hearted. They let the knowledge of the return of Christ excite them and motivate them and spur them forward. So we too, in these difficult days of a pandemic, are called to serve and to wait. Loyal service and patient waiting goes hand in hand. I'd like to close with this story of the Church of the Nazarene in Albania. I, I'm trying to remember everything that happened, but I realized my husband and I were serving in Italy at the time, and Albania, Albania had originally been a communist state, and, and the Church of the Nazarene was uh, trying to come into this nation, and the communist regime began to fall in 1990. It took years for things to change there. And our church uh, sent missionaries in, but it was just a, such a place of turmoil, economic collapse, social unrest. And at one point, it got very dangerous for the missionaries. So their desire was to flee and for the church to get them out safely. They were a young family. They were actually rescued by Italian mercenaries who brought them to safety off this pier as they waited for days. We remember when our regional director, uh, called us and asked us to pray that they would get out safely. And we all rejoiced when we heard that they did get out safely. But as we spoke later to the regional director and he was visiting in our home, we were asking him questions and asked him how it went. And uh, he said, you know, it's quite interesting that they were very, very worried about the church. They had a lot of questions. They asked us to continue to pray because they were concerned for this new church that was there, new Christians that were there. Had they left Jesus and gone back to their idols? Had they caved in under great pressure? Had they lost hope? Much like Paul's concerns. But you know, praise God, after six months, the regional director and the missionary re-entered that country to check in on this young, unexperienced, inexperienced church. And to, to their amazement and to their surprise and joy, that church had thrived even with the missionaries gone. They had seen many souls won for Christ and the gospel had spread and even the beginning of mission points for new churches was beginning. They were all filled with thanksgiving and rejoiced about this young, commendable church. My friends, we are going through times of suffering but the church of Jesus Christ, I believe this will be our study in this first letter of Thessalonians. The church of Jesus Christ is not called to just survive through this difficulty. God is wanting the church to thrive. 
And as God is wanting the church to thrive, he's wanting to use me, and he's wanting you too to do so, to be role models for others to follow. God bless you today.